Hey Westside family, my name is Eric Johnson and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys and enjoy. All right, let's get inside the word today. So uh, today is Palm Sunday, and it's a tradition to, to have a talk, a message uh, in, uh, around Palm Sunday. So that's what I'm going to do. Uh, but I'm going to kind of, I'm going to get inside of one aspect of it, and I'm going to teach more than anything today. Uh, sometimes I think we can get in a habit of just having traditional services in a church uh, like Palm Sunday, Easter Sunday, a Christmas service, a Thanksgiving service, and some of the smaller ones, and not really dig into why, uh, you know, these services are, are different, are, are special, or why we celebrate them the way that uh, they're celebrated. And so today, I'm, I'm going to jump inside of what Palm Sunday really is, and we're going to look at one aspect of it that is a very unique aspect of it. So if you don't know, and, I, and hopefully most of you do, if you don't know, Palm Sunday is also called Triumphant Sunday. And is, it is actually uh, the, the celebration or the memory of when Christ basically came out, for lack of better terms, came out as a king. Uh, a, a certain type of king, which we're going, going to learn not the king that Israel was expecting, and not the kind of king that we're going to have when, uh, you know, when, when God basically says, uh, go back and, and, and retrieve my children, uh, a different kind of king. And he came out that day as a king, and there are certain things that happened uh, that represent his kingship, but there were certain things that also came about that represented what type of king he was. And to understand what type of king he was and therefore is at this point speaks a lot to us and our attitudes and our choices and how we should be as, as children of God, as followers of this king, as people who exist within his kingdom. So I'm going to read, I'm going to read the story to you first. It's about 11 verses, uh, and then we're going to dive into a specific aspect of it. Matthew 21. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go unto the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a coat with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a coat, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the coat, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. 
Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitudes said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Now there is a whole lot of area one could cover in these 11 verses. There is so many branches of the vine that comes out of this story. For someone like me, so when I read something like this, I can't help it. I'm seeing all types of what we would call nuggets. I am seeing a multitude of doors that can be opened in various avenues one could take to get inside this story, to get a little bit better understanding of God's heart, God's mind, God and God's intentions, and, and, and the list goes on. But there's an area I'm really wanting to focus on because it speaks to us of what was happening with Jesus and, and gives us a, a, a type of kingship here. But I, I do want to make a mention this moment had to be a very bittersweet moment for Jesus. You would think a moment like this would be a very happy moment, would be a moment of celebration, and it was. But because of, of, of what it was really allowing, it was a double entry. So the triumphal entry was the entry of Jesus into a kingship, but it was also the beginning stages of an entry into death. His entry into death also began the process for his followers to soon be given an entry into life. And one of the things you have to recognize, and you will always recognize with God, and you will always recognize with Jesus after the sin, that death always equates to life. And even though this was an entry for Jesus into death, it became an entry for us into life. And we always have to remember that the death that is associated with Jesus is also the life that is associated for us. And you can't think about Jesus without thinking about death, but you cannot think about the death of Jesus without thinking about the life of the saints. So the one thing you have to recognize is, yes, this was a celebration moment, but it was also a somber and sobering moment because it meant him dying to himself. And you actually have multiple deaths. You have the death of his will three times, which equates to the death of us again. My God, I can preach on death and life this morning because Jesus always equates to death and his death always equates to our life. Oh, I wasn't planning on doing this. So, very bittersweet, he's being praised and celebrated as a king. But yet in his heart, 
In his mind, he knew where he was going. He understood the prophecies. He knew the job. He embraced his purpose. But yet his flesh had struggles. We know it had struggles because a couple, uh, a few days later in the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked if this cup could pass, and he asked it three times. And it shows you three levels of struggles and three types of death that Jesus was going through. But when you look at this story, let me get off, get, get, let me get off my soapbox. When you look at this story, there's two main characters. I emphasize two main characters. There's others involved, but two main characters. And the one, of course, is Jesus. The second, it's what you don't hear a lot about, which I'm going to share a bit about today, is the donkey. There's nobody else's name listed in this area of Scripture. Usually, the Bible is very good about people's names because of the attention to detail and the need to recognize the name and the person, the identity, and the list goes on. But this time, all it says is Jesus told two disciples to go get the donkey. What's also important to remember is that this story is in all four Gospels. Not every story of Jesus is in all four Gospels, but this story is in all four Gospels which shows us the importance of of this moment in Jesus' life. So we're going to talk about Jesus and the donkey. So I I, I want to go over a, a few things about why the donkey, what the donkey represents, because when you look inside of what the donkey means, the symbol of the donkey, the use of the donkey, what you really get is insight into Jesus. And therefore, you get insight into us, our life, our expectations, him for us, him with us, him in us. So the first one is when you look at the donkey, the first thing you you, you have to recognize is it represents a king of peace. It doesn't represent a king of peace that is on a mission for revenge. It doesn't represent a king that is on a mission for uh, violence or war. It represents a king of peace. What's very interesting is in ancient Middle East, this time in history, that usually kings came in on a horse when it was a time of war or after a war. But when it was a time of peace, they came in on a donkey. And we get a perfect example in 1 Kings 1, 3, uh, 33. Excuse me. It actually mentions that Solomon, on his day of being recognized as the king of Israel, Solomon did not come riding in on a horse. He came riding in on a donkey. But it's also very important to recognize the transition that will be made when Jesus comes back. Revelations 19.11 says that Jesus is going to be coming back on a white horse with fire in his eyes. But that's then. That's not now. We are in an age of grace. We are in a kingdom of peace. 
That's the standard of the kingdom right now. That's the standard of God's attributes. We are not in an age of judgment. We are not in an age of war. I have issues with Christians being militant. I have issues with Christians having attitudes about an uprising that is on the violent or aggressive side of things because that is not the time. And I'm not saying there will be a time. I'm not saying that, so don't say I said that. But I do know for right now, when Jesus came in as the king, he came in on a donkey that represented the king of peace, not the king of war. And he established peace in his kingdom at that moment in time. And we are still in that age. And it is our purpose, it is our mandate to go into the world with glad tidings of peace, love, joy, mercy, grace. Not this violent, aggressive, militant attitude that, has, that, 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 that thinks God is out for judgment and out for revenge. Judgment and revenge will come. But God's heart right now is peace, mercy, and grace into the world because it's the kindness and it's the loving virtue of God that will bring the lost into the kingdom. It is not judgment that is going to bring people into the kingdom. Judgment is going to send people to hell. But it's mercy, love, and grace that will bring people into the kingdom today. He came in as a king of peace. The the, the second one is, it was prophetic. Now, I I read you a piece of prophecy uh, that was stated in the Old Testament. I'm going to give you another piece of prophecy. There's actually a few that has to do with Jesus and a donkey, but I'm just going to give you one of them. And this is when when, uh, Jacob was, or Israel was, was uh, given a blessing to his 12 sons and he came to Judah and he gave a specific blessing to Judah that was a prophetic utterance of a king to come, which was Jesus. So we're in Genesis 49 verses 10 through 12 and it says, the scepter will not depart from Judah. This means the authority and this also is prophetic, meaning that the authority will not come out of this tribe because Jesus is of this tribe, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he to whom it belongs shall come and the obedience of the nations be his. Again, this is Jesus, but this here, here, we're getting to the donkey part in verse 11. He will tether his donkey to a vine. His coat. So we're talking, we're seeing a donkey and a coat. And we just got through reading in Matthew of a mother donkey and her coat, her foal. His coat to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments with wine. His robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darker than wine. His teeth whiter than milk. Right there, it's speaking of the crucifixion and, 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 and what Jesus went through in the time of his death. So when you see, when you read about a donkey, it's not just a little animal carrying a Jesus. It had to be because it was a prophetic utterance that had to come to pass. The third one is the donkey. Donkeys was used bearing gifts in order to receive mercy in the Bible at times. 
So you remember the story of Jacob and Esau. Esau vowed to murder Jacob because of the exchange of birthright and blessing, even though it was Esau's choice and fault. And there, some years later, Jacob was going to be meeting Esau, and Jacob was absolutely scared. He thought his brother was, going, was out to kill him. And so before they came face to face, in order, the idea was in order to receive a blessing, in order to receive mercy, Jacob was going to send gifts to his brother Esau. But the key to this, where we are at today, is that he sent gifts to receive mercy on the back of a donkey. Jacob sent donkeys packed with treasures to avoid the wrath of his brother Esau. So you see in this story that mercy is associated with the donkey. The donkey had gifts that was supposed to bring forth mercy on his back. Uh, another episode is, is, this is, this is one of the reasons we named our, our daughter Abigail because of this story right here. Abigail had a stupid husband. Literally, he was a, his name was Nabal, and he was a, he was a moron. He was an idiot. <laughs> you can read the story, and you'll see for yourself. And he, he did some things to, uh, to disrespect King David, and David was going to kill him. But Abigail was this beautiful, wise woman. And she sent basically food and gifts on a donkey again to receive mercy from the king in spite of the stupidity of her husband. Now, at first, David obliged in the mercy, but her husband, because he was a moron, morons don't typically change. He still was a moron, and he still was stupid, and he ended up dying. But the point here is that a donkey was used to bear gifts to receive mercy. And you see the link to Jesus. He was on a donkey and he himself was the gift of mercy from God above to the world, to a bunch of us morons. Come on, own it. Sometimes we can be stupid. Sometimes we can be dumb. Sometimes we can look in the mirror and we can see a moron. But yet, God placed on the back of a donkey mercy and grace and forgiveness. And in spite of our foolishness and in spite of our stupidity, on the back of a donkey came a gift of mercy. And because of that mercy, we're bound for heaven. Amen.
Because of that mercy, we don't receive what we deserve. Because of that mercy, we don't have to receive death if we just receive the gift that was on the back of that donkey. Thank God there's grace for morons. But let me give you a little extra here. Just because grace and mercy is given once, I, I, I got to change my phrasing because I can be taken, taken wrong. So her, Abigail's, Abigail's husband, Nabal, continued in his stupid ways and in spite of the gift of mercy he ended up receiving death now for some people this is a subject of debate but for me this is a symbol that that continued stupidity our continued sin can still lead you to death in spite of mercy that is presented to us. Now, some people don't agree with that, and that's okay. You, you, you have your prerogative. And that's why I'm saying this is my feeling, this is my opinion. Just because you call out to God... I'm just going to stop. I don't, want to be, I don't want to go down a rabbit trail and I don't want to be taken wrong. But do you understand what I'm saying? Well, So the donkey represents a, a, uh, a carrier of grace. Number four is God used a donkey to give a word to Balaam in Numbers 22. So I would encourage you to go read Numbers 22. We had a foolish prophet. <clears throat> this prophet was not spoken highly of. Uh, he was a foolish prophet. He actually made God angry. And the story goes that he was on a donkey heading, heading uh, to a Moabite king. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the donkey. Not to the prophet, but to the donkey three times. And the donkey, the first time the donkey uh, ran off in a field and the prophet beat the donkey. The second time the donkey, uh, he was like in a vineyard and the donkey pressed the prophet's leg or foot up against, uh, uh, you know, the, the, I don't know what you call them, you know, the, the, the vines and all that. And the prophet beat him again. And then the third time the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, and the Bible says that the donkey just fell down. And then the donkey began to speak to the prophet. And the donkey began to speak a truth to the prophet. And then the prophet's eyes was opened and the prophet saw the angel of the Lord. Jesus, there was so much we can go inside of that. But this is the point. 
The donkey represents a carrier of truth. The donkey represents someone that has been given access to see what the foolish do not. The donkey represents eyes to see, ears to hear. Whereas this prophet was a foolish prophet, again, another stupid person in the Bible. He was disobedient unto the Lord, and he eventually died. And he represents a foolish person, a person that's not connected with God, a person who doesn't have the eyes to see, who doesn't have the heart to receive, a person who doesn't follow the ways of God or the will of God. And the donkey saw what he could not see. And the donkey was able to speak a revelation that he could not speak. The donkey also represents a carrier of truth. And we see that paralleled when he was carrying Jesus. He was carrying truth. He was carrying the word made flesh. He was carrying the eyes that could see, ears that could hear. He was carrying a voice that could, that could declare. He was, carrying a, 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 he was carrying God's will for the world. The fifth one is a donkey was used to carry Jesus to a specific area slash time for his birth. And then in the story we just read, we see that a donkey is being used to bring Jesus to a specific area slash time for Jesus' death. Now, what is really, really important, and we're gonna we're gonna see this in, in, in the next point, is the area and time. The donkey didn't take Jesus to the stable. The donkey didn't take Jesus. to the trial or to the crucifixion. But the donkey took Jesus when he was in the womb of Mary to the area and the timing of his birth. The donkey took Jesus to the area and to the timing of his death. So the donkey was used to deliver the will of God to a, to a zone, to a domain, to an area, and to a time so that the will of God can be fulfilled. So today, and, 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 and this is my ending... Let me back up a little bit. I'm going to come back to this time and area and bring it, bring it to us, our responsibility. So when you look at donkeys in the Bible, we see them being two things. We see them being humble slash lowly servants that help in a task or 
we see them being stubborn and disobedient beasts that has to be beat. God will use the humble and the lowly, and God will use the stubborn and the disobedient to complete his will. Today, today, in this time, please hear what I'm saying. God is using both. God is using the humble, the humble and the lowly, and God is using the stubborn and the disobedient to bring us, his people, us, his church, us, his children, check this out, to an area and to a time for his soon return. Let me say that again, in case that went zoom. God is using donkeys of today. God is using stubborn and disobedient hearts. God is using lowly, humble servants that is willing to carry the burden of a mandate and a mission for the world to bring us his people, us his church, and us his children to an area and to a time of his soon return. God is using political figures. God is using artists. God is using people that has access to large media outlets. God is using churches and God is using followers on the streets. God is using the liberal and God is using the conservative. God is using the democratic and God is using the republic. God is using the independent and God is using those who don't care. And I'm not labeling any group to be disobedient and stubborn or lowly, humble, and obedient. You understand that? I'm not, I'm not getting on any side of the fence. What I'm saying is God is using in any and everybody to bring us, you and I, to an area and to a time for him to come back. Oh, I don't ever say this. I never say this because I don't get on this bandwagon. But I'm saying it this morning. God is getting ready to come back soon. And he's using donkeys to get you and I to the area and to the time to be ready for his return. But we have to do our part. This goes hand in hand with the area and the time. Joseph, Joseph and Mary had to go talk, talk to, the, to, to, to the person at the inn. They had to go to the stable. Jesus had to go to the garden. Well, first of all, Jesus had to have the Last Supper. Jesus had to reveal who was going to betray him. Jesus had to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is considered the pressing place. 
Jesus had to go to the trial in which he was beat and mutilated. Jesus had to go to the cross. You see what, I, what I'm really trying to say to us is the donkey brought Jesus to the area and the time, but it was Jesus' responsibility to finish the will of God for his life. God will use a donkey to bring you to a time and bring you to an area, but it's your heart, it's your mind, it's your will, it's your praise, it's your death, it's your sacrifice, it's your righteousness, it's your commitment, it's what you choose to do that is going to bring you to the end of your journey of faith where God can look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. We have to finish the race. We have to finish the journey. Another example of that, a, a, a beautiful parallel, is when it comes to Abraham and Isaac. So there was a donkey involved in the journey of Abraham, Isaac, and two servants. The Bible doesn't say whether or not Isaac rode on the donkey because there was also firewood involved. We would like to believe that Isaac rode on the donkey, but we don't know that for sure. So it is just a thought. It is not a reality. The donkey could have been used for firewood, but the interesting thing is, is the Bible says that Abraham saddled, saddled, saddled up his donkey. In other words, he prepared it for a human body as opposed to preparing it to carry wood. Why would he have servants if he didn't need them to carry wood? So the idea is that Abraham placed Isaac on the donkey because there is other instances to where a master or someone of a, of, a, at a, of a higher level rode on a donkey and servants followed. So there is this idea that Abraham was God and Isaac was Jesus and Isaac rode on a donkey to a certain place. And if you read the story, Abraham, Isaac, and the two servants stopped. And Abraham said to the servants, stay here and wait with the donkey while me and the son go yonder. He's a southerner. Do you understand? The donkey assisted them whether he rode on them or not it really doesn't matter but what matters is the donkey assisted them to the area and to the time that God had called them to God will use somebody to assist you to get you to an area and get you to a time. But you gotta know in your heart and you gotta know in your mind how the Spirit of God is leading you. And you gotta be willing to lace up your boots, tighten your pants, get prepared for a journey and continue up the mountain of God. Because the pastor, the books, another believer in Christ cannot be used to get you to the top of the mountain. Only you yourself can get to the top of the mountain where God has you to be. 
God will only use people to get us to an area and to a time, and we have to do the rest. Are you breathing this morning? You understand what I'm saying to you? The last one, another meaning of the donkey is for believers and followers. We are not only to be assisted by a donkey, but we are to be a humble and lowly servant like the donkey that assists people to the area and to the time that God has called them to be. We're not only riders, we're ones to be rid on. Does that make sense? We are to carry the burden for the world. We are to carry the message of Christ. We are to carry the peace and the mercy and the grace. We are to carry the keys that opens the door to the kingdom of God for the world. We are to help people, help one another, get to the area and get to the time that God has designated for them to be at a specific time or season in their life. So the triumphal entry really is a story of how God uses a donkey to get his children to the area and to the time that they're called to. And the rest is on us. on us what are you going to do with the rest of your journey it's like I'm so so cautious to, 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 to say things like this I, I, I never 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 do it so I do not get on the Jesus is coming back bandwagon and I have reasons for that because of what Jesus told his disciples in Acts like in the first chapter of Acts he basically told them don't worry about it you just worry about having power and being a witness so I don't get on the bandwagon of Jesus coming back. All I worry about is having the power and being a witness. But I do have an obligation to express truth as God gives it to me. And I can, and that's what I'm doing right now. With all my heart. I believe God has already used donkeys in our life to bring us to the area and time of his return. And now the question is this, what are we going to do with the rest of our days? What are you going to do from now to when God returns? going to do we're just going to sit twiddle our thumbs be a part of a nice church have a good little church service get excited about some goosebumps what are we going to do 
4. We're going to make choices. Get serious. And be willing to finish out the race. And complete the mission and the mandate and the purpose that God has for us. It is not a time to be complacent in our faith. It's not a time. It's a time to realize we have been brought to this area for such a time as this. And now find out from God Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.